Before bus life, friends and family was something that was very important for Chase and I. Because we were working all of the time, we didn't get to spend quality time with our friends or our family. Our schedules never aligned. Every one of us lived within 15 to 20 minutes of each other, but it just wasn't a possibility. So when we decided to get the bus, we planned to have space to have people over. We planned on trips where we were gonna go and visit everyone around country, right? Yeah, and we've got family in various states. We have friends uh, all across the country as well, and we figured that our journey would take us pretty much to them. I mean, most people likely would think you hit the road, you're going to see and visit everyone that you've not seen and visited for a really long time, and that's that, right? Hola, amiguis. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Which Direction with me, Maria Jose. And Chase, if you haven't already become familiar with us, we're talking about everything bus life related, our experiences on it. And today, well, we wanted to touch on a topic that weighed heavily on our minds when we first took off. And it's something that became a recurring theme throughout the build, the process, the downsizing, and... Ultimately, it's our friends and our family. Did we get to spend time with them? Feeling homesick and finding community on the road. Finding the community on the road is a big one because we just didn't think we were ever going to find that. Let's start at the beginning. Planning in the bus was even considering friends and family. So much, in fact, that we detailed places and multifunctional spaces in the bus for our friends and our family to travel along with us. Our sofas were a queen-size bed when they slid together. We had hanging hammock hooks and a rooftop deck, but I think for most people, the journey in the very beginning or the journey at all is a solo journey, right? How are you gonna meet up with your friends and your family when you live on the road? And our idea was like, oh, we're gonna travel to these cool places and probably friends or family are gonna fly there and we're gonna pick them up and they're gonna spend a weekend with us. And let me tell you, that never happened. <laughs> it's just not the case. I don't know why. If someone invited me to come and visit them and stay in their tiny home that it's like parked in front of the beach, I will say, hell yeah. <laughs> so, well, when we built the bus, we were planning on having people over, of course. We also mentioned the privacy because we imagined like so much people was gonna be on the front of the bus and we were gonna, you know, one hour privacy in the back. And the truth was, us in the back and Jake in the front. <laughs> he had the big comfy queen-sized sofa mattress at the front of the bus all to himself. If you don't know who Jake is, he's our golden retriever Chow Chow. They came with us the whole time. So a little backstory. We built the bus in Nashville. We were living full-time in Nashville and Jake's parents lived just a couple of miles away from us. Not to mention our best friends, like my best friends that I had known since truly graduating high school and people that even living out of state, I kept in touch with and made frequent trips back just to spend time together or go on friend vacations together. We were all within 
probably a 25 mile radius of one another. And you will think that we had all these cool ideas of like meeting for the weekend or barbecues and you know like pool parties but truthfully we got to see them not that much. Between both of our schedules which conflicted with everyone else's schedules and the fact that we always worked holidays and weekends we truly never got to spend any quality time like I can't think of a holiday for 10 years that I was able to be at. It was always a hassle to try and find the opportunity, and not just for us, but sometimes I really felt bad for our friends because they had their work week, and our days off were usually Monday and Tuesday, and, and same with our, our family, and trying to coordinate a time to go out and you know hit the town and grab a bite to eat, which ended up in turn being staying out way too late on a work week for them, or for us... Uh, staying out way too late on a work week if we did something on the weekend and, and it was just it was never any fun for any of us we plan our trip around family the first big leg of the trip absolutely so as soon as we finished the bus we went to wisconsin and that was to spend quality time with your family yeah they all live in wisconsin well my closest family lives in wisconsin and then we went to maine to celebrate the wedding of my family with some of my family and their family and so that was the next part of everything after that we were like well we still have some friends and family we want to visit but in between i truly believe it's going to be most of the time just me and chase with the dogs i mean that would make sense right because we're living on the road in a school bus thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of road and we don't know anyone else truly doing this at the moment. Well, and when we were doing our first trip, we were driving around in the bus from Tennessee to Maine, how was mentioned before. And we keep our eyes open to see if we saw another school bus. And we did not see one bus the whole road now keep in mind bus conversions we did see some school buses yes, but, but you know what actual I mean. school buses like transporting little children to and from class so that idea of community on the road never crossed our minds we did see it online and we saw that there was people doing the same that we were doing but we thought that everybody was just like minding their own thing i don't know what do you think about it I thought it was very strange. <laughs> hashtag bus life, hashtag van life, hashtag digital nomad are probably three of the most common hashtags that I see on a regular basis. Now, keep in mind, now we're two years into this community, if you will. So it's likely that our feed is biased at this point. But even before knowing what any of this was, we saw the cute pictures we saw the dramatic sceneries, and I imagine, truthfully, that when we hit the road, we would we would be driving past a bunch of crazy maniacs doing the same thing as us, and 17 states and 3,300 miles or more, we didn't see a single person that was doing it. We didn't see a single van that looked like it had a solar panel on it. We didn't see anything. When we heard about Schoolypalooza, which... You might know by now, but Schoolypalooza, it's a gathering of nomads or potential nomads. 
And it takes place in January every year, immediately following RTR, which is short for Rubber Tramp Rendezvous. And if you're unfamiliar with what rubber tramping is, that's anyone who travels nomadically in a vehicle, thus rubber tires. So we were like, oh, perfect time. We have to go because there's going to be all these people that we see online and we're going to get to meet them. And funny enough, we follow and chat with some of them already. So we kind of knew them, but we didn't. We were e-friends. If it would have been 10 years ago, we would have all been in a, a group chat on AOL Instant Messenger talking back and forth. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, kind of. I don't know if I was ever a part of a group, though. Really? ASL. Is a mens- messenger the one that you can like send like those? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so before talking about getting to Schoolypalooza and, and everything that transpired after that, it had been several months that we had been on the road before hitting Schoolypalooza. One thing that I didn't expect, and I wasn't sure if we would ever run into, was that feeling of being homesick. And and being homesick can be a bunch of different things. It could be the fact that we've literally just left our little nest. And, and, and by this time, we hadn't quite sold the house yet. That came in October. But at the same time, like all of our normality was crunched up into those walls and that roof and, and, and our friends as well. I and mean, we, we were missing out on what little bit of time that we got to spend with them, the occasional days that we got to spend with family. And, and I don't know of anyone else that takes off and really discusses what it's like to, to just leave all of that. It's like quitting smoking cold turkey. Like we literally picked up our social life that we had in this little bubble and we threw it away. Not really threw it away, but, but it was gone. Did you feel homesick at all? Not really. I feel like when we saw the house and we were at your parents' place for a while while we were like finishing with the bus, I felt a little bit homesick just because I missed my own place. Does that make sense? I didn't miss like the home or like the house. I just miss to be able to have my own kitchen or my own place and like, you know, do the dishes if I didn't want to do the dishes or things like that. Yeah. But I never missed the house, which is weird because it's everything we had until that point. Yeah. And, and, and maybe it's unique for us. I didn't necessarily ever feel homesick either. Um, and I imagined that I would. I didn't miss the routine of going to work. I didn't miss the uh, the routine of, you know, paying the mortgage and the electric company and mowing the yard. Like, I didn't miss any of that. It was very strange not to be able to just say, or like pick up the phone and call a friend and say, hey, you know, what's going on on Tuesday? You want to get together and watch the game or something? That was strange. Um, not that we ever really picked up the phone, called somebody, and went over for the game. But uh, sometimes it happened. And I do completely understand what you're saying. Like, when we were building the bus, it was nice. And and it honestly, the amount of time that we spent at my parents' house building the bus, it started to feel more like home than our house did. But at the same time, like, after we sold the house, came back through... The bus at that point felt like home, mm-hmm. and being away from it, I think I felt more homesick then. 
Yes. Because we lost that sense of privacy a little bit. We lost our own little space that, you know, if if I wanted to leave my wallet on the countertop, well, I could. If I want to leave my camera gear there on, on the countertop, well, I could. Um, there was no sense of intrusiveness at that point. And it's funny that you mention calling a friend and going to see them on a Tuesday for I don't know, a game, whatever. If we ever felt that way, we are lucky enough that we had our phones. Yeah, that's true. We FaceTime our friends quite a bit. We FaceTime family like every day. Yeah, and and we got that connection back that I feel we didn't have with your family or my family when we were like super close to them. It, it is funny. And, and I've said this time and time before, obviously not here, but... When I've moved away from home and when I moved out of state, I felt like my connection with my friends and my family got much stronger than what it was. I feel like we talked about a lot more. We were sharing a lot more than when I was 10 miles away. And I feel the same. I truly think when we were 2,800 miles away in the bus, um, I felt closer to home with family than ever before because we were excited to share our experience they were excited to share what's going on around the house like we communicated more effectively and uh, I think that's that's something that really helped stifle any homesickness that we may have had now if if you're the person that really loves to to have that physical I'm here I can smell the food cooking experience with friends and family you're probably going to have a hard time adjusting. But I think for me personally, the experience away made the connection so much stronger. Also, another thing that I feel like it helped was our YouTube channel. Because since the beginning, we have been recording our progress, building the bus or our first trip. And then after every single video, I will receive a call from my dad and be like, I saw what you guys did, good job, or, oh, I'm so jealous, I look so good, and and I even feel like it gave them tranquility as well. Oh, there was absolutely a peace of mind that I think watching what we were doing and where we were, and, and eventually who we were with, that absolutely, like, eased out the uneasiness of, uh, of the burden of thought that we were just traveling around living in a vehicle. So going back to... Our first time going to Schoolypalooza. After Maine, we realized that we were kind of out there on our own. We hadn't seen anybody in 17 states worth of driving. We hadn't connected with anyone that was in in that area of the United States, you know, in 3,200 miles. And we were really kind of, I guess, longing for new experience, meeting some of the faces that, that at this point we had known now for the better part of a year, we were very excited to get out to Arizona. We did a long trip to Arizona. Which is completely against what we said we were going to do. We were just going to mosey and meander out there. But we got to connect with some Venezuelan family that are in a school bus first. And they gave us the coordinates for RTR. We also broke our rule of not going in at night, which was pretty treacherous on our first actual Bureau of Land Management free camping area. Oh boy, let me tell you, that road was insane. I was freaking out the whole time. It felt like there was like a constant earthquake inside the bus. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's that's probably the easiest way to describe it. The washboard was not forgiving at all. And Chase is like pretty blind, driving at night. I'm freaking out with the dogs, and all we can see was like far away this tiny little light from far. And it was David, the the Venezuelan guy who lives in a school bus with his family. He welcomed us. There was this circle of vans and buses and step vans. A big a big campfire and a lot of alcohol. <laughs> yes, that was our first night. I forgot. And we got there. We parked next to another couple that we kind of like have talked on Instagram before. The funny thing about everything, though is at that point, I felt like a middle schooler, that his family had just moved to a new part of the country and it was my first day at school. I knew a lot of the faces that were around the fire. And we were actually inspired by a lot of the people who were sitting on the campfire. And here we are with our backpacks, not really, this is metaphorically speaking, our backpacks, <laughs> wide-eyed, walking to the campfire to introduce ourselves to all the faces and the people uh, around. That was our first brush with finding community. And I think that's the most important thing that anyone who's wanting to get out on the road can do. I truthfully never thought that some of my best friends right now would be people that I met on the road. Because there's a little combination of People that we have a lot of things in common with. People we have nothing in common with. But at the end, it all works out. It absolutely does all work out. And I think it, it takes putting yourself out into a new situation without an expectation. But the strangest thing is, I feel like when we first got to RTR, we met people that we had no expectations for. They met us and had no expectations, hopefully. And we really just cut the shit. There was nothing, no guard. There was no facetious, this is who we're trying to be. It was literally like, we all got tired in some capacity of the day-to-day -day grind and the constant climb. And we all, at some point, for some reason, chose adventure and deliberately downsizing our lives. And that, I think, was the biggest part. I agree. During this time, we also met some people that we got to travel with for quite a bit sometime. So it stopped being this idea of just chasing me. And it was like, oh, we're all going to the desert. And we're all going to the beach. And it became like this road family, right? And the cool thing about everything is, like you were saying, the plan was ever-changing and the invitation was always open. Because we all live in our vehicles, we all can drive and choose to be with each other or choose to explore these things with each other. But if we were tired of each other, we can just turn on our cars and leave. Yeah, that's true. We, if we needed a break from each other, we could, you know, plan a long trip to the laundromat. <laughs> and then meet up again a week later or so. Yeah, and, and that was the beauty of it. That 
we choose to spend most of our time with these people because in some capacity they made our heart fuller and we love exploring with them we learn new skills from them for example aubrey we spend most of our time with aubrey which she's a solo female traveling and we did yoga with her we cook with her we learn how to do well not learn but she taught us how to do some things in leather and it was like another like sister for us on the road another thing that was really cool about it that was also extremely unexpected was the fact that every time we would meet someone on the road people were so excited to share their creation whether it's what they do for fun what their hobby is or simply the home that they had created on four wheels or six wheels if they had a dually and they were proud of it and they wanted to show it but they were also very interested to see what we had done as well and that makes me think of when we bought the house we didn't know any of our neighbors when we sold the house we knew one of our neighbors and that was three and a half years later at no point did we ever get together with anyone in the neighborhood did we ever have a fun conversation with anyone in the neighborhood Uh, Besides the little old lady that lived next door, the only other time that we had ever said anything to any of our other neighbors is when Jake ran and jumped into the back of their car and we had to go and get him. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) And it's just so mind-blowing that once you cut the shit out of the situation and you're no longer worried about the money, you're no longer stressed about the finances... You no longer have this insecurity or security wall up in front of you. You can get to know people for who they are. And that's what the community showed me when we got out on the road is that literally I may have never spoken to these people in passing in my entire life, but meeting them somewhere away from the normal situation and circumstance, we were able to connect on a significantly deeper wavelength and deeper meaning and we we developed friendships and bonds that now a year and a half later are still as strong as ever and we may all be 2500 miles apart and just to put into perspective what we mean by community on the road is for example our bus had a oil leak or a gas leak what was it our diesel fuel tank started leaking in in another moment, I feel like we would have parked the bus and like freak out. What are we going to do? And this pretty much happened. But out of nowhere, other people that decide to live on the road like us just decided to help. They start showing up in their coveralls with their welding equipment and uh, bins and baskets for us to drain fuel into and their tools and all of that without us ever asking for anything. And I don't think in normal society that happens frequently enough. Or when it does, it's regarded as something special and unique. And truthfully, we've found that constantly. On the road. All the time, everywhere we went, people were just willing to help. Not even just us, but willing to help other people. There's a lot of people that build their buses or vans on the road because people help. Or people have other skills that you probably don't have. Or... I will cook a big meal and I will offer it to my bus or van neighbors, you know. Um, We had pizza nights. And it was just about giving without expecting anything back. Because 
it was the normal. I feel like the only time that I kind of felt that in our old home was that time that I locked myself out of the house with no shoes and it was like 90 degrees and I was getting drunk in the patio and the old lady next to us said, are you okay, sweetie? You need to wait for your husband inside my house. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed because, you know, I was a couple of margaritas already in and sweaty and just in socks. And I was like, I'm fine. I think that was the only nice thing that happened to us in the house. <laughs> I think all of that wraps up to one simple thing. While we didn't get to experience the road with friends and family on board and we truthfully never got homesick but we ended up finding community i think that all three of our main ideas of what would have or could have happened on the road ended up so much better than we could have ever imagined we found a closer connection with family and our friends we realized that we weren't homesick because we weren't missing the place. The place was with us. And we found and made friends for life in a way that we could have never done before. And we even got to spend time with each other. And that's something that we're going to talk in another episode, but how living with each other for 24-7 was. Just think about that. We've spent two years now almost every minute and every hour of every day within 280 square feet of each other. Who all can say that? Well, maybe right now during quarantine, everybody's understanding what we're going through. (laughs) With all this being said, friends, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you in the next one. If Rose doesn't chop my head off before then. (laughs) 